Do you enjoy the content that we provide at Hockey Hurts? Do you do any holiday shopping on Amazon.com? Then click on the Amazon banners on our Hockey Hurts website before making any of your Amazon purchases. We get a kickback, you get to buy something that you like, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's like the Patrick Hornquist, James Neal trade. It's a win-win. Don't forget to check out our website, HockeyHurts.com, and check us out on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hurts. Additionally, you can follow Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stahl. Welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 23rd of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we are going to discuss a lot of the topics uh, around the NHL, including the Jason Spezza contract extension, the Edmonton Oilers and some of the trade rumors that are surrounding them, the Toronto Maple Leafs um, and their situation. Promise we won't get into the uh, salute gate and all right. that non-important <clears throat> stuff. Um, Jakob Voracek, his awesome start with um, on a team that maybe struggling's a strong word for it, but they're, they're certainly um, not in a playoff spot right now. And how Boston and Columbus have handled their injury issues. And uh, we'll jump right into it with Jason Spezza, who got a contract extension, four years, $30 million. And I happen to think... Good on Dallas. You? I think the length is what's good for Dallas. You know, people will complain about the per year hit, but I think this this contract works for both player and team. Yes, and um, much like folks that, that for my flurry stuff would say, well, who can you get? It's going to cost the same. I personally think it's harder to find a replacement for a guy like Jason Spezza than it is to find average goaltending. So on that argument, I would agree. Um, keeping him at $7.5 million sounds steep, but they're a team that has deficiencies on defense that they need to get better there. And if you don't sign Spezza, now you're going to have to allocate assets to replace that as well. So now you fall further behind. So I think the $7.5 million's the the price of doing business, especially with the new CBA and how you cannot hide cap hits. And like you said, the, the four years, that's really great. That's really not a bad thing at all. We've seen some really long contracts, like a David Clarkson kind of deal. Um, four years is nothing, especially since he's, uh, I believe, 31 or 32 years old. So that's really, that's not too bad. I think the only fee you're going to have with Spezza with it being four years, is that he hits 34, 35, so the tail end of his contract. When you think that Dallas are starting to come good um, with all the, the young players coming through and hopefully some good moves by Jim Neal, 
might be his back. That's probably the only thing. He's had a bad back his whole year. It gets harder and harder the older you get to, to keep your back together. So if you can't get it right and keep it well, right in the next 12 to 18 months, that could be their biggest issue. But I, like I said at the start, I, I like the four years. The cap hit I'm okay with as well. Um, so we'll just see what happens in regards to the rest of that that roster. They don't have to worry about the center anymore. Um, Unless they, If they get Rich Peverly back, they'll be a lot better off. Well, here's the thing about Spets is seven point five million. It's it's kind of a non issue because Sean Horkoff makes five and a half mil, he's off the books. Eric Cole makes four and a half mil, he's off the books next year. Rich Richard okay. Peverly, three point two five mil, he's off the books as well. Is he a UFA? Yes. Oh well, okay. Well geez, look at the cap space they've suddenly got to actually do something with that roster. So that's thirteen point two five million right there. And Spets is only getting a five hundred thousand dollar raise, so his cap is already built into their structure. Plus, they're getting a lot yes. of cap space. I suppose you kind of forget that sometimes is that you forget that he's walked in there with X amount of cap hit. The cap's only this tiny little bit extra. So, as you said, they already had their cap structured up this year, and the, the five hundred thousand is not that big of a not that big of a climb. It's not like the the Kane and Taze problem that Chicago are running into next year because that's such a massive jump for each of those contracts. It just choose about up. an $8 so million dollar jump total. Yeah, that's where, that's where them getting paid as they deserve to suddenly hits their, their cap structure um, extremely difficult. So they've done, they've done good. They've done good. They've done well there, they're Dallas. It'll be interesting to see how they fill those holes and I like. Their, I think we both agree. We like their GM, so we feel strongly that they'll probably do a nice job with that. Yeah, but the proof's in the pudding, I suppose. We'll find out next year whether he he makes us look smart or makes us look like fools. He's going to have okay. to shore up that defense core, but at least signing Spezza, it's one less headache. He can slot Correct. him in the second center spot, which, as we all know, finding top six centers. Is not always easy, and it comes at a premium, whether it's UFA or trade. And he doesn't have to deal with that now. He he has it. It's out out of sight, out of mind, for the next four years. Um, plus, Sagan signed for a long time. They got a sweetheart deal with Sagan, so they can afford to play a little yeah. looser with that other center spot. Yeah, it'll be when Sagan goes through his next contract that it could be a problem. <laughs> That's not till 2019, so... Yeah, you worry about it, then. It's not something you have to worry about now. The other good thing for the Stars is that they recognise that their back six not fantastic, and Neil's gone about making some changes there to try and improve it. Whether you agree with the changes he's made or not is up for, for debate, but the fact is he got this sore weakness in the team, didn't sit on it, worked out that it was a problem, and has gone to try and do something about it. You're referencing the Demers trade? Oh, and the fact you got rid of Gonchar to allow some of the youth to come up so they can get a look and, and see where they're at as well. So, um, yeah, I, I give him credit where credit's due there. I think Demers will do quite well um, over in Dallas. He gets, he'll get more ice time, and, and they'll get to see, see what he's worth. And he's only got this year and next year at $3.4 million, So, you know, if it doesn't work out, not going to kill him. Again. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think we both give our stamp of approval to Jim Nill and the Jason Spezza deal. 
Yeah, this season's just made me look like an idiot with my prediction. Oh. <laughs> I think a lot of people thought they'd be doing a little bit better. So you're not alone. I, I thought they'd be better too. I, I still think that's the division of death. But, um, but yeah, they've, they've uh, struggled a little bit more than I obviously was going to expect. But Well, the, losing the Chushkin for the whole year isn't going to help. Yeah, that, that doesn't You can't help. plan for that. No, that's right. It's, it's one of those things that, I mean, there's a future. You can see a plan in place. You can see where they're trying to move the franchise to. You can see what they're trying to do. I can't say I can see that with the Oilers at the moment. I can't see – it feels like the whole organisation sort of kind of lost its way, yet, <clears throat> as you were telling me before we started, the raw ice numbers would suggest that they are sort of heading in the right direction. The Oilers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's the problem with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, aside from a front office that probably they could use a change there just because they've gone with that – 1980s Oilers regime for so long, you know, it's probably time to sweep that aside and start anew. But um, no matter who's running a team, you can't win with 30th overall goaltending, which is what the Oilers have right now. They are clocking in at 895% as an even strength save percentage. League average is 921 to 923. They're at 895. So how are you supposed to win games when the goalies, not not mind you, not one like a specific goaltender, but as a team, they allow one goal every 10 shots. All right. So some of the arguments you'll hear from Oilers fans is that the goalies are getting torched because what's going on in front of them is terrible. So. That's why they're that's why they're letting in a goal every ten shots. So you're saying that the possession numbers have been better. So you you sort of want to try and swipe away that argument that it's what's going on in front of the goalies that it is actually the goalies that need to be changed or a combination of both. Um, as always, it's it's always a combination of both because everything's intertwined. However. Yeah. I was running some numbers for a hockey prospectus project, and I found the correlation between shot suppression and, and goaltender save percentage. It was minimal. So um, that that you have the Buffalo Sabers, they're 11th overall in even strength save percentage, and they're and they the worst terrible. team since we've been tracking this stuff. So yep. I think it's more goaltenders than what's in front of them so they'll need so you could almost say that um anaheim did let the right goalie walk when they had to make their mind up between gibson anderson and fast yeah you could argue that for sure yeah i mean i don't think they were ever going to let gibson walk but the argument was always who do they want to keep out of fast and and anderson so. and hiller <laughs> could have kept well, hiller was a place going, i would never they were never keeping Hiller. They no, but they, it just goes to show they had a few a few options there. It's a nice place to be in when you think about it. Um, so I've read a couple of bits and pieces after the wonderful game they played against Chicago. That you know the fans are disgruntled. It, it's fair enough. You can fully appreciate that they they've had enough. They've been terrible for so long. They obviously want something to change. 
how a few people have suggested that it, they're rotten to the core. So you know how every team's sort of got untouchables that they, they're not going to get rid of and they'll, they'll build around that construct. Would you suggest that they get in there and rip that apart or should they try and keep that together and, and still try and work around the fringe edges and stuff like that? They need to get better on defense. That is where the problems lie. They have good forwards, but they just yeah. don't do a good job of getting it to them. It's kind of like what the Islanders used to be, but now are no, not. The forwards no. are getting the puck in, on, on the island now, and you saw the last two games against the Penguins. They kicked butt, and their forwards played with incredible speed, and a lot of that has to do with the back end being able to successfully get them the puck with speed. Oilers' defense, they do not do that for the high-end um, forward talents in Edmonton. Yeah. So they either need to draft these guys and keep them until they get to the until they get to the end of their RFA time, or they're going to have to try and trade for them and probably overpay. Well, they have some chips they could trade, and it probably wouldn't kill them. Um, David Perron being an example I touched on today at Hockey Buzz. Um, you know, he has value, and I'm sure he could um, get them some young defense that maybe don't have a, a super large NHL sample size but would be trending towards being productive NHL players. Yeah. Um, from a Penguins point of view, what I had today was Simone Dupre, Brian Dumoulin, something along those lines. But it, but apparently they're they're looking for. <laughs> I had to get a chuckle about this. A top center is what Darren Drager reported. Um, what the Oilers are looking for. So two things from that. One, they're not getting a top center for David Perron. So they're <laughs> they're just trying to set the bar high. So when they negotiate, they meet in the middle somewhere with whoever they're trading with. Two, they really don't need a center. They need D. They should be looking for D if they're trading from their forward. Um, Isn't one of the arguments though that like Drysaddle's playing second line center at the moment, and he's just he's too young to be able to to do that on a for a full eighty-two game. So I can see why they want a top center. Yeah, but if we're being uh, honest, they're not competing for a playoff spot this year. Drysaddle no, no, is yes. just going to play, get a good experience. Um, yep. So the trade shouldn't be done necessarily for this year as much as it should be looking towards the future. And with Nugent Hopkins playing really well this year, and they have Teddy Purcell who can play center, um, I would, I wouldn't target a center. I suppose. I suppose your argument there is then, are they listening to Tyler Dello? I don't know. I'm not. You know. No, no, but that's that's what I mean. Like you get there and go. It looks pretty obvious that the problems in the back six has got nothing to do with, with what they've got going on in regards to making some changes that are going to stick for the future, it doesn't seem as though they really kind of want to look at it that way. So like you said, you can hire him, but if you're not going to use him. I think they have to a certain extent because they're not super awful in possession anymore. Their score adjusted Fenwick is 49%, which is almost at that 50% barrier, good for 19th in the league. And they've been a team that's been hovering or living in the bottom five for the last number of years. So they, they are improving. The goaltending's been atrocious. I'm curious to where the record would be if they got average there. Well, I suppose 
we'll have to sort of check it out in segments when things do change. But, later but, but the interesting dynamic here is I'm sure the coach in the front office feel as though they're performing for their jobs. So maybe desperation forces them into maybe not the brightest of moves. Yeah, that's, that's probably the, the thing for me in regards to they want to get a, a frontline center so they can get instant change rather than planning for the future. Um, the guy, that's, that's, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's, that's, yeah, I agree. You were going to say, um, the guy I would move if I were them would be Eberly because I think he carries the most value. Return. And I don't – now, mind you, when you trade a guy like Eberly, of course you're going to miss him. But it's not going to crush them. You could keep Perron, slide him up. Um, Yakupov probably should eventually get a more prominent role. You drafted him number one overall. <laughs> I mean – Ride with him for whether he succeeds or fails, but I think they should be doing a little bit more with him. So Everly would be my guy to move there. I think um, his he has high perceived value, and I think he could um, fetch them some good defense help. And that's what they need. You've got to, you've, as you, you've often said, you've, you've got to um, you've got to trade from a strength, and that would be where their strength is to try and fill a hole, which would be their, their back end. So that would be a, a good way to go about it. Well, it'll be interesting. They There were reports today they were going to have a press conference, and then they didn't. So we'll see. <laughs> is that for coaching change, or is that for, <laughs> is that for trade? Yeah, who knows? They didn't have it, though. They said that that was false. <laughs> we'll see. Might not be a bad thing for everyone involved, really. There's certainly one of the more fascinating situations to watch moving forward, That that's for sure. Well, there's them, and there's also Toronto. It seems like all the, the crazy action wants to happen above the border in Canada. Well, I think a lot of the crazy is overblown because I think their media... Um, parts of their media are second rate and they blow things out of proportion like that whole salute nonsense who cares about any of that 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 means literally nothing <laughs> salute no, I... don't salute doesn't matter it means nothing oh, I can understand that um, what does mean something is they're on ice product um, the record isn't terrible to be honest they're bipolar, though, in regards to their their very good is is good, and their very bad is atrocious. Um, and as a fan, it would be baffling, frustrating, and I can kind of understand why they react the way they do. But yeah, they're they're in a playoff spot at the moment. They are. They'd be playing Montreal. Yeah, and I know, you know, Toronto fans will go, yeah, but we were in a playoff spot last year and then we crashed and burned. But I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think they're they're not as bad as they're not as bad as people make out. I yeah. So I don't know. I have some concerns because unlike the Oilers, who 
kind of improved on that possession front. Toronto's still 26th at 46.1%. That's not very good at all. They need to be better. And I'm fairly confident a lot of their possession struggles lie within the bench boss, Randy Carlisle. And the quicker they cut ties with him and bring in a guy like Dan Bilesma, per se, the quicker they can really solidify their playoff hunt a little bit more, in my opinion. I I think the issue issue you might have there, though, is that the longer they stay within range, the less likely I think they are to give him the flick. So it's a catch it's a catch twenty two. I get what you're saying. I mean, I remember the last time Bilesman came in mid season for someone, which was when he came in for the Penguins, they were substantially out of a, a playoff place. And a poor possession team. Yeah. And I know that all that turned around, but at, at what point how far do they have to fall apart for them to make that change? Uh, quite frankly, a lot. Apparently, they they got yeah, dummied well, up by the Sabers and then the Predators back to back, and you know they they beat Detroit and Tampa. That's the thing. Strange good, team. Strange team. Their good can be quite good. That's the uh, like I I'm glad that I'm not a Toronto fan because it would drive me absolutely batty going through going through the way week to week, game to game the north and south in regards to their effort they put in. Um, yeah, it would it would drive me nuts. Um, look, there's still a couple of parts away from... I mean, they get Jeffrey Lupel back. That will help with their depth as well. He's kind of like Bo Bennett, though. For how Fragile long? Hats. He's always no, supposed to be hurt. If, if it's a question of how long, while he's in there, they've got to win while he's on, while he's on the ice. That's probably the, the biggest thing because, you know, as you said, like with Bo Bennett, they're probably going to lose him again at some stage and, and it makes it hard for them to win. So when he does return, they need to make sure that they they make hay while the sun shines with him on the ice, I suppose. So. And, and they're another team that could use defense help. Um, Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley have um, that puck skill in skating that I like very much. But Morgan Riley hasn't been very good at um, assisting on Toronto's ability to suppress shots. Um, he's been more or less one-dimensional. Not very good on defending, but good when the puck's on his stick, able to I'd skate. I'd like to know what happened there. It's, he, it just seems to have gone from bad to worse for, for, that, for those two guys. Um, like you said, they're great when they've got the puck and... And their decision making with the puck's generally pretty good. Um, but yeah, when they don't have the puck, they they seem to be swimming in swimming in water and don't know where they're going. So it's um, it'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff go about turning that around. Play them, keep playing them, and work just work through the mistakes. What's the alternative? I mean, they don't got anybody significantly better, so just keep playing them. Live with their mistakes. Keep pushing them. Yep. Got to get better. They have to be better for them to be legitimate. So might as well just roll with it. At least that's what I would do. Yeah, no, that makes that does make sense. And their goaltending is always league average or better. Right now it's league average. Uh, whether it's Bernier or Reimer, they both provide uh, very similar results to one another. So I expected a little bit more out of 
out of Bernier, to be honest, in regards to what he's provided so far. So obviously those numbers could could improve a little bit. You always thought that Rhymer was middle of the road, so he's providing what you expected. Yep. Go figure. <laughs> but the perception in Toronto is Bernier better than Rhymer, but realistically they're they're kind of neck and neck. And that's not bad because it's average at worst. So, you know, yeah. Toronto's not losing because of goaltending. Although that's not what you'd think. <laughs> that's not what they think sometimes. No, but... that's, that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's not what you hear, which um, makes it tough. I can, see, I can see why players who are from the GTA don't want to go and play for Toronto. I fully understand it now. Think about dealing with some of these morons on a daily <laughs> basis, honestly. And I'm not naming names, but some of these people just stink. It's just, they're, yeah, they're, it wouldn't be any They're low-brow garbage. It, it wouldn't be any fun to have to put up with it all the time. Like, you, you play hockey because you love the sport. It would be very easy for you to suddenly hate what you do as a job. Yeah, you get paid a truckload of money and all that sort of stuff, but to be constantly told that you're no good at what you do or you need to be better or all those sorts of things, it would just get you down. How'd you like to be Phil Kessel, who is an introvert by nature? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, you know, that's... You're the best guy. You score a ton. You you naturally are kind of in a shell because that's your personality, and yeah, you get called out as not being a leader because you don't like talking. What rubbish! Yeah. You can't you can't win either way in that city, so it just makes it tough. unless you win, which has been difficult. I just wonder. I just wonder if they hadn't had that third period collapse against the Bruins, what direction this franchise would have gone in, purely from a confidence point of view with some of those players, and also in regards to the way they're treated by the fans, because it seems to to be that this group of players has, has copped a, a massive hiding because of that that collapse. And the fans have never let them forget that collapse, so they can't move on. Yeah, but if we're being honest, if that 2012-13 season was a full year, they probably wouldn't have even made the playoffs. They were trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, so I suppose in theory the collapse is probably... It was heartbreaking as as a fan and and being on the team to, to get that close with that yeah. kind of lead in a game seven and lose. But I'm not sure. If anything, it would have gave the front office even more um, maybe false confidence. Well, maybe James Reimer would be more respected. <laughs> no, but that's that, that's all I mean. It's, it's, it's one of those things where that seems to have affected that franchise severely in regards to the way the because as you said everything gets overblown in, in Toronto positively and negatively so because that was such a negative it, it makes things ex- extremely difficult on the on the players so it'll be interesting to see what transpires the rest of the year it, it would be nice it would be great for hockey I think to have them in the in the playoffs it's just 
I see other teams around them at the moment at the quarter mark looking more more complete in regards to being able to make make it into that top eight. Well, they're in there right now. Yeah, so. oh, yeah, that's exactly right. That's the thing. That's the thing that's amazing. Yeah, I know they had those two terrible games, but they're actually in the playoffs. If the season ended today, they'd be in the big dance. So I don't. I, I just the overreaction is, is what baffles me. But can they fend off Washington, New Jersey, the Rangers? I don't know. So out of those three you just named, I think the Rangers is the only one that I'm. I'd be concerned with. I think Washington's good. Yeah, see, I, I don't, and I'm trying to work out whether that's just because I don't like Washington as a fan or whether... Top top 10 just... possession team, bottom five goaltending. Holtby, historically speaking, has above average numbers, so I would expect goaltending to get better, and I don't think the possession's a fluke, so I think you'll start to see them win more games. Um, so I think that's a team to watch. Yep, so it's there. At the least ability. that's the basis of my prediction. Yep. I, I didn't have them as a playoff team before the year, but um, their, their possession game has is, is caught me by surprise um, with Barry Trotz, so maybe I misjudged that yep. a little bit. It's... It's funny because I think I put the Senators in the playoffs at the start of the year and you said, I'm not going near that because, as you said, Travis Jones came up with some good numbers to predict against that happening. But they're still hanging around in a spot that, you know, after looking back on some numbers and stuff, would suggest that they probably shouldn't be there. It's, um, it'll be interesting to see where they end up. That's the thing with the East, because there's only a couple of teams that you could say, oh, I definitely think they're going to make it. Everyone else could shuffle around everywhere. I mean, there's only two teams, it sounds weird, but there's only two teams in that Metropolitan Division that I would say will definitely make it. And that's the Islanders and the Penguins. Mm-hmm. That's it. Everyone else in that Metro will be fighting for that third spot, because right now, only the top three teams in the Metro would make the playoffs. So you do not want to be fourth in the Metro. No. No, not right now. And I, I think that might be the case all the way through because Detroit are, are, are proving me wrong after me thinking they weren't going to make it. Um, and and, and they're sure. doing this without Datsuk. He's missed like 11 games. I, look, that could be a blessing in disguise. If they get him back for the, the last, you know, 40 games of the year, you've technically got a fresh Datsuk. Yep. So He's pretty good. That's so I hear. Very, that's not very fair on the rest of the league. So I hear. He's <laughs> well, speaking of another Eastern, Eastern team that's, that's getting excellent production out of, out of themselves, um, Jacob Voracek, how good's he been? I believe he's the league's leading scorer. On a team where he's not exactly getting a lot of help. By three points. 29 yeah. points. And Sid and Sagan, who are pretty great, are three behind him. It's a nice shining light for the Flyers fans this year because it, it would have been a very frustrating start to the year for them. Yeah, it's a, even when your team's not doing so hot, it's always nice 
to have a player that you can count on watching on a nightly basis and then just enjoy it. And I think the Flyers have that in, in Voracek and Giroux for that matter. But um, he's been great. He's yes. He's been trending towards a year like this, though, ready to break out. He's always been very good. You know, Columbus, What's... good thing they got Jeff Carter for him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that the thing that I find doesn't that mean they ended up with Jack Johnson for Voracek? Yeah, they traded um, Voracek, Couturier, and Carter for Jack Johnson. Right. Okay. So moving on from from that disaster, <laughs> um, the interesting thing that I found, found with Voracek is the one thing that I've read consistently about him is that he. He got fit this year. You know, he had a really strong offseason in regards to getting himself in, in game shape and, and getting um, getting ready for this year. And, and it shows you what happens when you jump into a season with your body in, in peak condition. It shows you what you can do. You're not playing catch-up. If you get a little bit injured here and there, because you're already at 100%, you're not – it's easier to recover. It's It's one of those things that – it baffles me that these professionals walk into the year underdone and then it baffles me when they get there and go, oh, I wasn't expecting to be quite this good this year, but I am, after they've gone and put in all this work in the off-season. It's just, you know, there are a reason why guys like Stamkos and Crosby are as good as they are. They work so hard in the off-season that they're always going to be at their peak when they come in. You know, Stamkos had to do the extra work after breaking his leg, and I still don't think he's right. I think next year he will will absolutely dominate, like he was before he, he broke his leg. So it's great to see Voracek getting rewarded for the hard work. Mm-hmm. No, it, it is good. Good to see people get rewarded for when they put in the time. So. Do you think he can keep it up, though? Yep, I think he's really good. So he starts to get a little bit more support. You should probably just keep going up and up. Um, we're probably near his ceiling right now. This is probably a ceiling, but I think he can continue it. It'll be interesting to see whether it'll be interesting to see whether he makes the All Star game only because the flies the fly fans are all over him because they get to watch him all the time now. It'll be interesting to see how many votes he gets from the fans outside of Philadelphia just to see whether he, he gets the respect that he deserves. Um, I think he deserves respect, totally. Oh, I agree, but it, it'll be interesting to see whether the fans from around the league see enough of him to, to get on board with, with that as well. Because I, I'd be picking him if I was going to bother to do it. I guess the only thing I want to see from him a little bit more is he needs to shoot a little bit more. Oh, he's not. He had a career high two hundred and thirty-five shots last year. He's at sixty-six right now through twenty games, so he's kind of right on that pace again. He's also right at his um, career average for shooting percentage. His career is ten point three. Right now, he's at ten point six. You know, say he gets on a hot streak, he can pump in some more goals because right now he is. 28 goal pace about and I think he has the talent to, to 
to get 35, 40 goals, not just the 30. So we'll see. Yeah. That's actually, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Because like you said, like the 28 goals is nothing to sneeze at. So No, not at all. That would be a career high too. Um, yeah. His, his career high to this point is 23. So. It'd be nice, be nice improvement for us. This it's good to see. It's yeah. Good to see. So moving on to a couple of other Eastern Conference teams, we've got the Bruins and the Blue Jackets, and they've both used the same amount of roster players for the whole year. I think they've both used it. See, the thirty-four or thirty-five players have had to dress this mm-hmm. year just to get a, a team on the ice and it shows you the depth that one franchise has and it shows you the depth the other franchise doesn't quite have just yet because you and I were pretty bullish on the Blue Jackets at the start of the year mm-hmm. and they lose a couple of key players and they're in big trouble and the Bruins lose a couple of key players and that number of key players seems to keep mounting higher and higher, and they're still winning. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I had them pegged for a few more losses than they have right now. They've really so, done a nice job of fighting through um, the injury bug, kind of like yes. how the Penguins used to fight through theirs. Similar. Got some big names out. They're just trucking along. It, it shows you how coaching can really affect... Um, the way a team plays and how the systems and if, if everyone buys into the system they can basically, ju- it's almost like slotting like for like into a spot yeah you might lose a little bit of offensive flair but people could still jump in and, and, and fill out holes which they've done really really well I mean I just needed them to travel at 500 again, like 500 until Chara came back and they've done better than that and they've, you know, they just lost Marchand um, I think Krejci's been been out or is still out, so they've done a really good job of, of filling those holes. So kudos to the Bruins, really. They're, I believe, tenth in possession and thirteenth in goaltending. So yeah, they're doing quite well. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just Chara on their defense. It's McQuaid, Krug, Bartkowski, Hamilton. <laughs> it's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, know it's. They've done. They've done it extremely well. Even Joe Morrow saw some time. <laughs> yeah, and and wasn't completely terrible. So they're they're doing a really nice job. Um, the tough thing with them is that they're up against the cap, so they really couldn't do much other than just ride out the storm. But they've done it. Yeah. And and have done it. Have done it extremely well. I mean, they did just whack Char on the long-term injury reserve to try and get a little bit more cap relief. Yeah, but that's that's not usable cap relief like uh, the Penguins and Dupuy. Because when he comes back, it disappears. No, no, I, but they've done that so they can get, get a couple of roster changes done. So they've got some space. Oh, just short-term call-up? Yeah, just for the short-term. That, it just shows you how tight they are up against the cap. But they're having to be... Um, having to be extremely smart and, and um, flexible with, with the way they work their cap. So they've done... Well, even healthy, I thought they were going to take a step back because of their cap issues, losing a Ginla, um, just the depth. Boy, Char- 
But yeah, Boychuk being yeah. a huge one. You can see what he's doing with the Islanders, making them so much better. Um, yeah. But they've they've done well. I, I'm not. I still don't believe they're the class of the Eastern Conference anymore. No. Well, okay. Who do you think is the class of the Eastern Conference? Um, this moment. Yeah. Like, who do you think would be closest to a complete? Four team days ago, I'd say Pittsburgh. Dupuis is a big loss that alters that whole discussion. Tampa, I believe, is the class of the East. Tampa was who I was going to I was going to take as well in regards to I'd be happy for them to be the Eastern Conference um, winner to, to go into the to go into the Stanley Cup Finals. That's who I would think would be. So from the West, who do you think would be in that situation? St. Louis. I like St. Yeah. Louis. I had I picked them to win the division. So I'm bullish on St. Louis, and they've done nothing to dispel that. Tarasenko is uh, making me look pretty good. Yeah, that whole that whole line is uh, a, a brilliant surprise because technically Statsny is third-line center, which is fantastic for St. Louis and crap yeah, for the rest Colorado of the Colorado kill for that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd, I'd still probably want to sit on Anaheim. They're um, good. They're good. Yeah, but I suppose I like St. Louis look, better. If you're looking at it in regards to a snapshot right now, you'd almost have to go with St. Louis because Anaheim have got injuries at this point, which is making things tough for them. So, yeah, if you snapshotted it right now and you were going to the playoffs, you're probably you're probably right. It'd be a St. Louis, St. Louis, Tampa. Uh, Stanley Cup if you're looking in regards to who's the most complete roster right now as a snapshot. St. Louis is deep on defense, at least the top four. Very deep at forward, and the goaltending is... Avery, too. No. Second overall in the NHL. Yeah, so that's a little bit better. At 943% for even strength save percentage. So, yeah, they're doing just fine. And poor old Javo lost his uh, consecutive game streak. (laughs) <laughs> ten, 10 years is a pretty good run. It's not bad, is it? No, not not too shabby at all. Um, I don't know what his ailment is. I don't know if that's a short-term kind of thing. or It's your typical lower body. Mystery injury? Yeah, that's it. It's lower body. That's all you get to know. Hmm. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to you wanna cover off? No. That, that's pretty good. I think we've yeah, I think we've we've knuckled it all down. Cool. Well, that'll that'll do it. We'll um we'll get back at you either next Friday or Sunday, depending on how our our time frame works here. Um, after Thanksgiving, so for all of us. People in the United States, happy Thanksgiving. And oh, what? Yeah, okay. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, this is just a, another boring average week down under. No? Nothing uh, special correct. this week? Yeah. Nothing nothing special uh, this week, no. Um, nothing until Christmas. Everything's – we've done all our funky stuff. All right. Well, happy Turkey Day. Um, We'll get back at you after the uh, holiday. And until then, I'm Ryan Wilson.
I'm Cameron Walsh. See ya.